Father God, um, what a tremendous truth that we have just sung. Father, in the fire of the flood, even in the valley, you are faithful. Even in the fire, you are with us. In the flood, you are with us. Father, what the enemy means for evil, you turn to our good and your glory. Father, all these things are true. All these things are glorious. And all these things are ours because of your grace and your mercy. And Father, you are so good. And Father, as we, that song is just so perfect for this passage that we're going to be in. Father, we ask as we talk about waiting on you, help us to remember that you have promised to be with us. You haven't promised that our life will be easy. You haven't promised that our life will never be filled with fire or flood or valleys. But Father, you have promised to be with us. And you have promised that all those things will be turned one day to our good. And Father, we thank you for that. Guide us. We need you in this time. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Illuminate your word. Open our hearts to what you would have us learn. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. All right, my friends. All right, let's open our Bibles together to Mark chapter 13. We are working through the book of Mark. Um, my goodness, we've been in the book of Mark for like a hundred years, haven't we? Empires have risen and fallen since we've been in the book of Mark. Long time. Mark chapter 13. We'll begin together in verse 30. Mark chapter 13. So that's big number 13, little number 30. If you don't have a Bible with you, you should see a blue one underneath the chair in front of you. We would encourage you to open that one up. I haven't written it down, but I think if you're in that blue Bible, we're going to be on page 999 or 1000. Anyone correct me if I'm wrong? Okay, we're going to go with that. 999 or 1000, the book of Mark. Mark is a biography about Jesus and his life. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, very interesting chapter. Jesus has prophesied the city of Jerusalem, which is God's city. The temple in Jerusalem, which is where God's presence has been. The temple in Jerusalem, which is how we relate to God through sacrifice of animals and through the worship of His name. All of those things Jesus prophesied will be destroyed. It will be destroyed. So that's the context. All right, looks like we're all there. Here's a, here's a pop quiz. Here's a pop quiz. I, uh, I found this on Twitter last night. And this is from, don't say it out loud, because if you get it wrong, you might feel embarrassed, okay? But here's a pop quiz. True or false? This is from one of the, if not the most popular um, quote-unquote pastors in the world. He says this, to Christians, you're on the verge of a breakthrough, a healing, a promotion. You're going to be able to say, are you ready for this? You're going to be able to say, nothing is missing in my life. You're on the verge of a breakthrough, a healing, a promotion. Really what he's saying is anything that you want, whatever desire is on your heart, you're, you're almost there. It's about to come. God is about to give it to you. In fact, you're going to be able to say in your life, nothing is missing in my life. 
I saw that last night, and that just makes my blood boil. I just can't hardly stand it to read that. And I can't hardly stand to read it because I'm, I'm your pastor, and I know you. And I know many of us in this room, if not all of us in this room, feel that our life is not complete, that we are missing things. In fact, I would venture to guess that all of us, if we were to be honest, we feel like there's lots missing in our life. That we're waiting on many things that our heart desires. And yeah, we might desire things that we shouldn't desire, or that, that might, we might be greedy a little bit. Maybe I would desire a bigger bank account. But there's some things that we desire that are good things that we don't have. And it makes my blood boil because I know and I love you and I know that many of you have been praying for loved ones to come to Christ for decades. And you're waiting on that. We might be waiting. There's some of us who are waiting on a spouse Some of us are waiting on friends. Well, have me friends. Some of us are waiting, finally, I, I'm just waiting to be healthy again. Some of us are waiting to finally reach the end of this depression. All of us are waiting on the end of this stinking thing called COVID, are we not? All of us are waiting to achieve final victory over sin. Maybe you're here and you're just waiting on, I'm just waiting on better days. Don't have them. And some of us, some of us are like my grandmother. My grandmother passed away about a month, month and a half ago, maybe two months. And my grandfather died 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 years before that. And for the past several years, she has just been waiting for the Lord to take her home. Waiting on the Lord is a crucial part of the Christian life. Waiting on the Lord. Desiring things that are sometimes good and not having them, but knowing that God is God and He loves us. And so today, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic. We're going to talk about a little bit of patience, a little bit of waiting. And we're going to, we're going to see, we're going to ask these questions. One kind of knee-jerk reaction to waiting that I have. This is what I want to know. All right, this is the shallow version, 
not, not pastoral, this is shallow version. I want to know, how in the world can I wait on the Lord without being a nervous wreck? Anyone else feel that? I want to wait on the Lord without losing sleep. How can I? That's the shallow version. Here's, here's the better version, maybe fuller. We'll say that fuller version of that question. How do I glorify God while I wait on him? So, let's read together. We're going to have to remember the context, and we'll get back into the context of, of this chapter. But let's read verse 30. Mark, big number 13, little number 30. Goes like this. We're going to read to little number 37. I'll read aloud. You read to yourself. Truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking to his disciples about the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of their way of life, the destruction of the Jewish, uh, the Jewish system to know God. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour that these things will take place, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, and when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Stay awake. How do we wait on the Lord? How do we wait on the Lord? Well, first let's, let's define what we mean by waiting. Okay? I, don't, I don't mean just passing the time. That's not what we're talking about. Just going to pass the time, no big deal. No, we mean something deeper than that. When we say waiting on the Lord, I think this is what we mean by waiting. Waiting is an unsatisfied desire. I have an unsatisfied desire that, that I can't see being met right now. And I'm waiting for that desire to be taken care of. So why is waiting so difficult? Why is waiting so difficult? Waiting reminds us of the effects of sin and the effects of of Adam and Eve's fall in the garden, it reminds us that we are in a broken world. That's why waiting is so hard. Waiting reminds us that our life is incomplete. There's something out there that I believe will help fulfill me. And I don't have that. Our life is incomplete. Waiting reminds us that we are not in charge. We're not in charge. It's like when my little one wakes up in the middle of the night and I go check on her. She's walking around the kitchen. She wants candy. And I say, you can't have candy right now. You have to wait till morning. I don't want to wait. Well, you're not in charge. Then she goes to bed and daddy eats the candy. You know, <laughs> not really, girls. Not really. That didn't happen. Look at what you're all making me confess. 
Waiting reminds us we're not in charge. Waiting reminds us that we are not the point. That we're not the main character of the book that's being written. We're waiting. Waiting is hard because it is evidence of the fall. And I don't know about you, but what what waiting does for me, and of course it depends on exactly what I'm waiting for, but the, the things that really grab my heart that I'm waiting on the Lord for, sometimes I get a hopeless feeling that I have to wait. There's nothing I can do about it. Perhaps sometimes when we're waiting on the Lord, if, if we don't really think this through, and if, we, if we're not reminded of the Gospel all the time, every Sunday, if we're, not, if we're not preaching the Gospel, how much God loves us through Jesus to our hearts, what happens to me is when I'm not preaching it to myself, I perhaps when I'm waiting, I can feel forgotten by God. And see, we all feel this. We all feel this. And so all throughout human history, especially right now, you can turn on the TV, you can turn, get, get, on your, get on the internet, you can listen to your neighbor, you can do whatever. There are, always, there, there are all these answers for us in waiting. How do we wait without going crazy? Here's all the worldly things that even Christians, we, yes, we can fall into. What do we do when we wait? We get on our phones. Distraction. I want to distract myself. I'm waiting. I got, I'm waiting for something. I'm going to distract myself. My phones, TV, food, or sleep. Distract myself. Delusion. We can try to convince ourselves that we don't need anything, that we don't want anything, that we have everything that we need right here. I'm all I need. Isn't that the, the motto of the world? I'm going to tell you, I'm not all I need. I know myself pretty well for 36 years. If this is all I have to look forward to, I'm in big trouble. I'm not enough. Distraction, delusion, destruction. We're often prone to say, I want something. I'm waiting for something. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm taking it. I don't care who gets in my way. I don't care what gets in my way. I will have what I want. Distraction, delusion, destruction, and deceit. This goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning. Deceit. Lying. Lies from the pit of hell. Say, just wait. You're almost there. Just give a little more money to the pastor or the church and you will secure whatever you're waiting on. Just have a little bit more faith. You haven't earned it yet. Just do more, be more, be better. Go to church more, tithe more, pray more, act more, and surely God will give you everything your heart desires. That is a lie. That's deceit. And what we know, what we know, now our our actions and and our, our lives might reveal that I buy into these more often than I should, but if I sit back and I reflect on it, and if I know Jesus and I've been a Christian for a while, and I know these things are fruitless. Distraction, delusion, destruction, deceit. I know these things are fruitless. They will not help me wait on the Lord. 
And so what we need to know, what I need to know, I need to know this. How do I wait on the Lord without falling apart? How do I wait on the Lord without losing hope, without shipwrecking my faith, without being a nervous wreck? How do I wait on the Lord without whining like a child? How do I wait on the Lord without acting like an entitled customer at a restaurant? My dinner's late. Well, this passage is all about waiting. This passage is all about waiting. So remember, Jesus, this passage, Mark chapter 13 starts with, G, with a disciple walking around. They're outside the temple. They go, Jesus, look at these beautiful buildings. The temple was, was the wonder of the ancient world. There was no, temp, no, no building as big, as beautiful, as decorated, as loved as the temple. The stones that made up the temple were so huge, some of them were a million pounds. I said, look, Jesus, look how great all this is. This system, uh, this Jewish system, this temple system that made us right with God, look how good it is. And Jesus says, you think these are great? I tell you the truth. A time is coming soon when all of this that you see will be pounded into the ground. Why? Well, Jesus is here now. We don't need anything else. We don't need a big temple. Jesus is here. Everything we need to be right with God is with Jesus. But the disciples are going, what? So they do what we do. They go to Jesus. They go, Jesus, what are you talking about? This thing, this is the whole world. This is the center of the universe, this temple. When will this take place? So the first thing that we, we see in this passage when we wait on the Lord, the first thing that we need to recognize is we need to discover our true desires. What are we really waiting on? We see this at the beginning of chapter 13. Jesus, they come out, this is what uh, verse 1 through 4 says. Let's read it together. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? Now listen, Jesus could have looked at him and go, hey, they just want some facts for the trivial pursuit game they're going to play tonight. And so I'm just going to tell them, I don't know. Or I'm just going to give them a date. Or I'm just going to give them a time. I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them those kind of facts. Jesus could have just said that. We're waiting on the Lord for this to happen. Jesus, tell us when it's going to happen. We don't like waiting. But instead, Jesus does not give them trivial facts because what they were looking for, what they were waiting on, was not just the event. Their desires to know went deeper down. They're waiting on things that are not facts. Jesus shows them 
a he understands them deeper. He knows that they're not just looking for facts. And so as this unfolds, as he tells them more about this tremendous event, he knows that their desires is not just for the, the, for the event. They go deeper down. And so Jesus uses words like this. Don't be alarmed. He uses words like this. Be on guard for suffering. He says in the chapter, don't be anxious. He says, endure to the end and you will be saved. There's hope. He says, for your sake, God will cut this time short. He says, there's hope. I will be coming on the clouds in glory and power. Jesus is showing a pastoral care for these people, knowing that their waiting goes deeper than just the surface level facts. He is answering deep questions. I'm lacking something, Jesus. I'm lacking the time frame. No, you're not lacking the time frame. There's something deeper down that you are pursuing, that you are waiting on. For the disciples, it could have been a lot of deeper things. Maybe they're pursuing certainty. Maybe they wanted to alleviate doubts. Jesus, what you're saying is crazy. I'm following you. But man, you're saying that that, that, that temple seems indestructible. You're saying it's going to fall? It's not about facts. Am I following the right guy? So if I keep following, following this guy and then that does happen, I'm going to feel like I'm doing the right thing. Am I in the right movement? Have I given up my life for the right man? Perhaps it's a question, what are we waiting on? Perhaps really what they're waiting on is safety and security. Jesus, it's going to take an army like we have never seen to come in and do the things that you're going to do that you're talking about doing. I can only imagine what the Jewish people here are going to do when an army comes in to destroy this thing. They're going to, they're going to fight. The bloodshed is going to be tremendous. What will happen to me deeper down desires? Maybe they're looking for acceptance. Their whole families have, have mocked them for following Jesus. And it's going to get worse when Jesus dies on the cross. They're going to think, I followed the wrong guy. How can I show my face? You're saying all these things happen. I want acceptance. I want to alleviate some of this humil humiliation. And I want hope. I'm not just a robot that says, I, I need you to input the date. And then I'm not just, a, I want hope. You're saying that this will happen. This will shake the universe. This will change everything. That temple is going to be gone. This will change everything. Give me some kind of hope. They're waiting on Jesus to stir up in their hearts a hope for a better day that will follow. To wait on the Lord without falling apart, we need to know that the things that we are waiting on go deeper than we think. Waiting on a spouse is not just waiting on a spouse. It's waiting on love and acceptance and partnership. 
Waiting on a job is not just about waiting on a job. It's, it's pro- perhaps waiting on a purpose. It's waiting on security. And so, we need to understand that whatever I'm waiting on, it's about deeper things going on in my heart. And after, I, after knowing what our real desires are, we must remember what our Master is like. To not fall apart while we're waiting on the Lord, we need to remember what our Master is like. We're waiting, Jesus, we're waiting. When is this going to happen? We're going to be waiting. Jesus tells them it's going to take place within the next 40 years, for sure. Jesus doesn't tell them when. We're waiting on the Lord. And He says it's like this. Verse 4. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. How do I wait on the Lord without falling apart? How do I wait on the Lord while glorifying Him? Remember what our Master is like. When you start feeling, when your chest gets all tight and you start getting worried and you start, I'm waiting, you start feeling unloved, remember what our Master is like. Our Master is the Master of all things. Proverbs 16.33 All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and He, God, does according to His will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? Our Master is in control of everything. That was Daniel 4.35. This is Proverbs 16.33. The lot is cast. The die is rolled. But it's every decision is from the Lord. As we're waiting on these desires of our heart to be fulfilled, remember that our Master is the Master of everything. R.C. Sproul says it this way. This is one of those, you've got to tattoo it to your forehead to remind yourself. This is, this is ready? ready for this? R.C. Sproul says it this way. There is no maverick molecule in the universe. Remember our master. He's in control. He is in charge. Remember our master is always working. The pagan gods of the Old Testament were not always working. They could fall asleep at the switch, these false gods. They, they needed to use the restroom. They needed to go to sleep, take a nap. They went on vacation. They, were, they could not be trusted. But our God, our Master is always awake. He is always working. Isaiah 40 says it this way, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. As I wait on the Lord, understand, He 
is always working in each of our lives in 10,000 ways. And we might know one or two of them. Remember our master. He's master of all. Remember our master. He is always working. Remember our master is always just and righteous in his work. Scripture tells us that the very foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. As I'm waiting on the Lord, the temptation is maybe to feel or think. I know we're, I've been a Christian for a long time, so I know I'm not supposed to think this way. So when it pops up, I try to pop, I try to pop the bubble, but, but it, it comes out. Sometimes when I'm not getting what I think I want or need, I start to think things like, God's doing me wrong. Do you ever feel that way? Remember our master. He never does wrong. Whatever he is doing, as I'm waiting on him, I can be sure of this. Whatever he is doing or withholding is right and good. That's tough. That can be tough. But that is our master. And remember, here's the big one. Here's the hard one. As modern American Christians, we're more like that, that patron at the restaurant. Come on, my, my food is late. That's kind of our, our MO for most of us, right? Remember this. As we remember our masters, we wait on the Lord. How do I wait on the Lord without wrecking? I remember who my master is and what he is doing and what he is like so I don't wreck my faith, so I don't fall apart, so I can glorify him while I'm waiting. And remember this. He is the master I am not. As the disciples are waiting on this monumental event that will change everything in their life, Jesus says, the master is gone. He is not you. Isaiah 55, 8. You ready for this one? Listen to this one. This is incredible. For my God, this is God talking to us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. How do I wait on the Lord? I remember that the purpose, please understand this, please understand this, the purpose of my relationship with God through faith in Jesus is not to gain a supernatural butler who gives me everything I want. Are you with me? Do not follow Jesus so you get pretty things. When I forget that, when I forget who the master is, I will, I will wait on the Lord like a spoiled child. Like a brash, frustrated, rude customer. Like an unloving husband yelling at his wife to cook him dinner. We are not the master. 
As I wait on the Lord, I remember the master of the house is doing business. He is doing things out there. His ways are higher. He's doing things in 10,000 ways that I, can, I can't even imagine and know. So I will wait on him. I will wait on him. When I remember who's the master, I will wait on the Lord like a servant who knows his master is a master of all. Always working, always doing right, and is working in ways that I cannot imagine. I'm waiting on the Lord. I've been waiting for decades. I've been waiting for years. I've been waiting for months. I've been waiting on the Lord for this. I think I need this. I I really want this. I'm waiting on the Lord. The first thing that we do so we do not shipwreck our faith in the middle of waiting, so we glorify God as we remember who He is. But that's only half the equation. Jesus says, remember the Master. We remember what our master is like, but we also remember what our master has said. As Jesus helps the disciples wait on the Lord, he points them to his promises and the strength of his promises. Let's read verse 30 and 31 together. Listen to this. Truly I say to you, This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The promises of our Master are more solid than the earth that you are standing on. It is more likely that the earth will fall away than for the master to lie to you. It is more likely that the earth will disappear than for the promises of God to not come true for you. Isn't that good news? So to the disciples, you don't know when it will happen, but it will happen within your generation within the next 40 years. And this promise is stronger than heaven and earth themselves. Doubt the ground beneath your feet before you doubt the promises of your Master. that great news? So we've talked about the character of our Master. What has our Master promised us as we're waiting on the Lord? Remember who our Master is and remember what He has promised. Our Master has promised this. He's doing 10,000 things out there. He's doing 10,000 things in your life right now. And He has promised that the things that he, are doing, he is doing are working for good in ways that you cannot imagine. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 2.9 But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, no heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. As I'm waiting on the Lord, I don't have this thing, but I know the promise of my Master that He is working in 10,000 ways, and I can't even imagine the good things that He is working towards for my eternity. And if I don't have this now, He is still working for my good in ways that would blow my 
mind. Well, why doesn't he tell me? Why don't he tell me what he's doing? I'd love to see it. Take a snapshot. Send it to me. Text me, God. Tell me something. Why doesn't he do that? Well, part of the reason he doesn't do that comes out of Habakkuk 1.5. Listen to this. Why doesn't he tell you everything he's doing in your life? Habakkuk 1.5. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. Why doesn't he text you all the things that he's doing in your life? You wouldn't believe him. There's so what he's doing for you, Christian, in every area of your life is so amazing that if he told you, you would not believe him. They're so amazing. Christian, you might have something you greatly desire and you're waiting on the Lord to fulfill whatever need is going on in your heart that that seems to fill. But remember, God is preparing a future for you that will make the best things of this life look like dirt. And there's a promise from our Master. Our Master has also promised to take everything that happens to me and resurrect it for my good. We just sang it. We just sang it. Tyler, I was bragging on him before the start. He does a great job at picking these songs that go with the sermon. I mean, that last song that we sang, even in the fire or the flood, He is with us. Even what the enemy means for evil, you turn it for our good. Christian, have you experienced that? Romans 8.28, another tattoo this one to your forehead. So when you look, every time you look in the mirror, you'll be able to read it. But you have to do it backwards, right? Tattoo it backwards so you can read it in the mirror. Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. As we wait on the Lord, whatever we're waiting on, just know that He is using that for your eternal good. Listen. Our master knows 36-year-old Jordan. And our master knows 10,000-year-old Jordan. And he is making decisions in my life right now that 36-year-old Jordan might not understand. But 10,000-year-old Jordan is deliriously happy that these things are happening. Are you with me? That is great news. That is a promise from our Master that will solidify our hearts, that will strengthen our hearts as we wait upon the Lord. It is like when Mallory and I saved for our kids' college. Right now, they would rather have money for new toys or candy or, or whatever, but 18-year-old Bailey, Charlie, and Judah will be happy that we made these decisions. Our Master has promised to work out all things for good, so much good that we cannot even imagine it. And our 
Master has promised all these things that we are waiting on that really have deep roots in our hearts that, that a job is not just about a job, it's about safety and security and purpose and, and, and all those things about how other people see us, acceptance, a spouse, uh, a marriage is about acceptance and love and all these things are deep, deep down and our Master has promised to provide me with everything I need to be satisfied And He will provide this in His relationship with me. Jesus shows up amongst a group of people. All of us are waiting on the Lord for something. And He makes these tremendous statements. He says, I am the bread of life. Bread at that time is necessary for for life. It is the very basic need that we have for bread. He says, I am that bread. What you're waiting on, those deep-seated desires, I alone will fulfill. He says, I am the light of the world. Light is necessary to be able to see the world, be able to navigate the world. He says, I am that light. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am your solution to death. He says, I am the good shepherd protecting you and providing for you. And we are all looking deep down. What we're really looking for is, is a way to live, is truth about our life and about the world. And he comes and he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So as we wait on the Lord for these things, we must understand that they come from deep down desires And only Jesus can fulfill those deep down desires. And all these things that our Master has promised us, when we feel that these promises might be slipping away, or if we feel like I might not earn them, or if we feel like they're just out of our grasp, there is one more promise that we must embrace from our Master. All these things He has given us and provided for us by His life and His death on the cross. And do you know what His last promise was for us? As He's hanging on the cross, as all the waiting, all your desires are hanging on the cross. He has earned for us a right relationship with God through forgiveness and through His righteousness. He has earned all that. He will provide our satisfaction as He has done all this for our life. His final promise before He dies and is resurrected is this. It is finished. These things from your Master has been bought by His blood. By His death, He seals it in His own blood. These things are yours. You can wait on the Lord because these promises are sealed in His own blood. It is finished. It's yours. It's coming. Wait on the Lord knowing it has been promised and sealed in His blood. That is how we wait on the Lord. It'll come. It might not come tomorrow. I might live my whole life alone. But these things will come. How do you know? 
Because the one who created the universe, the one who is our master, the one who is master of all, the one who is all righteous and good, the one who's promised to work all things out for our good so much so that it'll blow our minds, the one who says, I am here to satisfy. He has made all these promises and he has written them in his blood. It is finished. So what do we do? We wait on the Lord. We look to what our master is like. How do we wait on the Lord without falling apart? We remember the things that He has said. We remember His promises. Heaven and earth will pass away before my promises pass away. And then He says this, don't waste your waiting. He says as we wait on the Lord, it's like the Master has gone to do business and He has come and He has put us to work. So work. Do not let your waiting distract you for what God has put you on earth to do. What has He put us on earth to do? Christian, why has He left you here? Why didn't He beam you up like Star Trek the moment that you were saved? I'll tell you. What is our work? Be working, stay awake. What is our job? What is our work? 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whatever, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. To the glory of God. Glorifying Jesus. Glorifying means we pull the curtain away to show the world how great Jesus is. Look! Look how awesome He is. In all that we do, eat or drink or whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. Look how great He is. As we wait on the Lord, we wait revealing to the world how great God is. Boy, you still don't have a job? I know, but but that's okay. You know why it's okay? Because Jesus said He will provide for all of my needs. That's glorifying God as you wait. Boy, you're not married yet? What's up with that? Ah, no, it's all right. It's kind of desire my heart, but you know what? I'm waiting on the Lord, and He has promised to provide me with all the love and acceptance that I need. That's how we wait on the Lord and glorify God. You know what else that does? When we wait on the Lord like that, you know what else that does? That makes Jesus look so attractive that that also fulfills our other job requirement. Matthew 28, 19-20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, here's another one, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What are we to be about? Be working. Even as you're waiting, show your kids what it's like to glorify God while you wait on something good. While you wait on Him. Show your neighbors what it's like to lack something that the world says everybody needs and yet you're joyful. Show them how glorious Jesus is in that. Don't waste your waiting a servant i'm asking the worship team to come up a servant who is asleep while waiting on the master we can assume a few things a servant who is asleep while waiting on the master either does not respect the master does not love the master does not find joy in the master or doesn't believe the master's word that he is coming back. What are we to be about? We are to be a people that's so joyful in our relationship with the Master 
Now, he doesn't need to tell us to get to work. We love working. We love showing people how great Jesus is because we found him so wonderful. We can't help but tell people. We can't help it. We love him. We love him. We want other people to love him. That's our work. So, as we're gathering together for our final song, this is, a, this is decision time. Christian, what are you waiting on? And are you falling apart? Decide today that you're not going to fall apart, that you're going to remember who our Master is, and you're going to remember what He has promised, and you're going to work to glorify Him. Maybe you're here and you're not really waiting for anything, but you know you're not working. You haven't been working. You haven't been seeking to glorify God in all that you do at your workplace. All these things. Here's something that you can decide to do. Decide to work at your job this week. What does that mean? Does everybody at your job know that you're a follower of Jesus? Start there. Decide today that you're going to figure out a way to bring the good news of Jesus Christ into conversation this week. Decide for that. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, decide today that Jesus is who He says He is. That He is someone who has come loving you to earth. Lived a perfect life that you and I can't live. Died the death that we deserve to take the punishment for our sins. And if we trust in Him, He gives us credit for both. Decide today to follow Jesus. Stand with us. Let's sing to our King one more time.